Well, hello and welcome everyone to Fringes of the Faith podcast and vidcast if you're watching on YouTube. I'm Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor here at Capstone Church in Fort Worth, Texas, and Sitting next to me is a favorite returning guest. This is <laughs> Stefano Lebrelon. He's a great friend of mine. He's also our worship director here at Capstone. Welcome back, Stefano. Well, thank you, Pastor. Thank you all. Uh, it's a great privilege to be here. Oh, my gosh. Did you say y'all? I did. Oh, you're turning <laughs> into a Texan. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> That's good. You know, the first time that you were on this podcast uh, with me, we, we got to talk about the UFOs in the Bible. It was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. It? Did you know that since then we've had over 2,000 views of that video on YouTube? Wow. I think people really want to know about the UFOs, oh, right? <laughs> I know. It's, it's pretty crazy. And I, you know, I know that there are videos out there that get hundreds of thousands of views, but we're just a small-town church. Yeah, and we're just talking about the weird things in the Bible, and you know, two thousand is is it's, quite it's a, a lot. Quite I mean, a great number, right? I mean, it, it's you know, praise God. I think that's awesome. I think we should talk about that again. Uh, okay, maybe another time. <laughs> All right. Uh, today we're going to talk about a discussion that Pastor Parky and I had last episode, and I didn't think that we would do this until you know a couple of a weeks from now. But I really felt like the Lord was saying, "No, you need to continue this." Uh, this discussion that you're having, because there's some new things that may come out of this. Some people may see some new revelations. So are you ready to talk about it? Oh, yeah. All right. So last week, last episode, we talked about the first part of Matthew chapter 24, which is, you know, Jesus giving the Olivet Discourse. He's talking to his disciples, and, and he answers a question from them about when is he going to establish his kingdom on the earth, and, and what the signs of this would be, and what the signs of the end of the world will be. Um, and if you if you didn't get a chance to see that, I know you listened to yes, it, but, but if you guys and gals out there that are watching or listening didn't get a chance to, to hear that podcast, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to it, because it's a precursor to what we're going to talk about today. Because what we're going to talk about today, the title of today's podcast is um, what is the title of today's podcast? It's No One Knows the Day or Hour. No. No one knows and the day or And this is the hour. question uh-huh. that everybody wants to know the answer. Ah, isn't, you it, know? isn't it interesting? And nobody will have until it happens, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so we're going to focus on the remainder of Jesus' answer to this question, because he appears to be talking about an immediate future for the disciples, but also a future in the distance, very far away possibly in our time, um, talking about what will be occurring and what to look for then, right? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm excited. Well, here we go. We're going to pick this up at Matthew chapter 24. We're going to start at verse 15, and I'm going to read a little bit, and then we'll break it down, uh, get your thoughts, and then uh, we'll continue on, okay? So here it goes. This is Jesus. He says, so, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place... Let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. What do you suppose Daniel prophesied about the abomination of desolation? I mean, he did. He did prophesy that. And so, I mean, in order to really look at that, we've got to go back to Daniel, don't we? We've got to find it. And so what we have to do is look to Daniel chapter 9, and and this is where we see what Jesus is referring to, but, but it's... You know, even after we look at this, it's not really that helpful, um, and, and there's a reason I say that. The specific reference is Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, which says this, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, 
in the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now, what Daniel is talking about, this is the angel that is giving Daniel the prophecy of the future, and he tells him to seal all this stuff up until the end when it will be revealed uh, and people will have revelation about it. But the he will confirm a covenant. He's talking about uh, either the Antichrist or the Antichrist system that will be in place at, at the end. Um, have you ever heard of a, of a, a king named Antiochus IV Epiphanes? I think I've heard. Yeah. Okay. So this is the king of Syria, and in 167 B.C., he ended up capturing Jerusalem, and then he set up an altar to his god Zeus mm-hmm. there in the Holy of Holies, and he sacrificed a pig on this altar. That happened in 167 B.C., before Jesus' time, okay? And, and because I say that because most scholars will point to Daniel's prophecy in chapter 9. They'll point to this occurrence as being the fulfillment. As being the fulfillment uh, of this. Got it. Uh, and you know what? It kind of does. It fits the description of Daniel's prophecy for the abomination of desolation in the temple. However, it appears to me that Jesus is pointing to a futuristic period. Yeah. What do you think? I think Jesus is giving the right uh, connection, mm-hmm. you know, to, to the word of Daniel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, I agree. And for me, what's amazing is that, you know, we use to, to divide the word of God in Old Testament and New Testament. And for me, the Old Testament is, is more current than anything else, you know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it is describing something that we will live in the future. Mm-hmm. Or maybe living now. Or maybe living now, right. I believe. And so we look at Daniel's prophecy, it further indicates that a firm covenant will be made. Uh, a better translation of that is that it's an existing covenant. There is a covenant that is already in place and that it will be enforced midway through a seven-year period, meaning that after three and a half years of enforcing this covenant, this ruler or system will put an end to sacrifices in the temple, okay? Well, this part really doesn't match up that well with Antiochus. Yeah. Because Antiochus, he captured Jerusalem and immediately stopped the sacrifices. So it's not very uh, correct, right? I mean, the fulfillment? Well, there is an indication in the writings of Josephus which was a historian, Jewish-Roman historian, Josephus, that Antiochus had previously made some kind of a treaty or an agreement prior to this that he calls a league. Uh, but there's really no elaboration on this other than Josephus explaining that Antiochus had taken Jerusalem by treachery after breaking the lead he made. And, you know, I, I really struggle with that because a league usually pertains to an alliance um, of many nations, yeah. And so I don't, I don't know that this league would have been an alliance with Jerusalem or the Jewish people, because uh, they despised each other. Got it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible. However, but I mean, it really is possible. But the one thing that that troubles me about connecting Jesus's words to Daniel's prophecy to Antiochus Epiphany, Epiphanes is that it's more likely that Jesus is referring to an appointed time in the future, because why would he refer to a prophecy that had already come to pass? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was a prophet. Yeah, he's you know, a prophet. He, yeah. he wouldn't prophesy something that already happened. Exactly. So this whole thing uh, seems unhelpful to me when Jesus references 
the the abomination desolation yeah. of Daniel. But then he says, you know, he who has understanding, he, you know, the reader that has <laughs> understanding. So that makes me very curious. So he goes on to say in verses, we're back to Matthew 24. He goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say in verses 17 through 19, that a man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house, and a man in the field must not go back to get his coat. Now, we're, t- we're, we're talking once again about Matthew 24, when Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the Daniel, by here, prophet Daniel. And, and what I feel here, Pastor, is that he is already preparing, you know, preparing people, uh, letting people know what to do when the fulfillment of that prophecy comes. So I really believe that he, he, he's talking about something that will still happen in the future, yeah, because why would he be warning people? <laughs> Absolutely. If it had already happened. It, it's a logic thing. It doesn't make sense. No. It doesn't. And we you know we we use Occam's razor here a lot. And you know remember what Occam's razor is? The most simplest explanation is usually the explanation. Yeah. And so I mean that that makes more sense to me that he's talking, Jesus is talking about an event that will happen in the future and it hasn't happened even in our time yet. Okay? Are you good with that? Oh uh, yeah. All right, so when he talks about, Jesus talks about when this happens, when you see this happen, the abomination of desolation spoken about of Daniel, which to me he means when you see the kind of abomination of desolation that Daniel talked about, not the, but a kind of that, you know, he's kind of you know, comparing the two, then a man on the housetop must not come down to get his things. This tells me, and I don't know about you, but this tells me that whatever happens, it's going to be really swift. It'll be quick. The, yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the scenery can change, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a fraction of a second. Yeah, so much so that Jesus is telling us that there won't be any time to prepare, to gather, to get your personal belongings. No. You're not going to have any time to pick up your keyboard. No, oh no, no. <laughs> you can't go yeah. to church, get your keyboard, and get ready. No, You're, yeah, you got to go right then. And I think Jesus is trying to 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 teach us something that the the preparation process has to be your lifestyle. Oh, that's so good. And you know, because mm. it, it it becomes more genuine. You know, mm-hmm. and that's good stuff. I, I agree. I believe that. I believe that too. It is. And so what he's talking about here is that, that whatever happens is going to be so quick and so fast that the Jewish people uh, will have to literally run for their lives. They'll have to run for the hills. He says, flee to the mountains. That's what they'll have to do in order to escape. In fact, Jesus tells uh, his disciples to pray that this will not occur in the winter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't want to have to flee in the winter because you won't be able to go in and get your coat yeah. if you're not wearing one. You're going to freeze. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very harsh. And he says, pray that it will not occur on the Sabbath, which kind of sounds strange, right? Yeah. But you know what happens on the Sabbath, especially in modern day? What? In Jerusalem or in Israel, Jerusalem, you know what happens on the Sabbath? No, Nothing. Nothing. Everything shuts down. Oh, so, so they, are, they are keeping. Everything shuts down on the uh. Sabbath. I mean, uh, the... They are maintaining this. You can't even ride an elevator. I mean, you can, but you can't push the buttons. I mean, can you go to a restaurant? Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah? Yeah. I've heard that people have to prepare their food the day before because they are not even allowed. That goes all the way back to the day of preparation. Look at that. Yeah. So everything shuts down. So how are you going to escape if there's no transportation system? 
So that's wow. why he's saying, pray that it doesn't happen on yeah. the Sabbath. Absolutely. And that points directly to the time that we're living, if you think about it, because even today the Sabbath carries over and things still shut down. You're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. In Judaism, you're not allowed to do any work or anything creative on the Sabbath. To me, that's pretty interesting. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's unbelievable how Jesus, he, he really respected, he, he fulfilled the law. He did. Right? They accused him of not doing that, but in everything he did, he considered, yeah. you know, the yeah. law. He is the law. He is, you the, know? the fulfillment of the law of all things. And so in verse 21, Jesus confirms for us that he is talking about a day in the future when he says this. He says, for at that time, at what time? The time that Israel will be experiencing major troubles, Jacob's trouble. There will be great distress, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Wow. So if he was talking about the capture of Jerusalem in 167 by Antiochus Epiphanes, that, I mean, we've had, Israel has experienced major trouble since then, even worse than that. Yeah. And they will again, according to Jesus. Does that I don't make think, sense? Yeah, I don't think that Daniel was referring to, to mm. you know, Antioch. I mean, it doesn't apply. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, certainly Jesus is not referring to that particular uh, event in history. He is, Jesus is referring to a, an event that will occur, still has not yet happened, but it will. And that's how we can be confident that Jesus is not talking about Antiochus IV, uh, the destruction of, the, or even the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. by Titus, we can be confident. Or even the Holocaust. He's not talking about the Holocaust either. No. All right. He is talking about distress that has never been experienced since the beginning of the world and will never experience again. Mm. I don't know if I mean I hear these words. It feels like tribulation. You know, great distress. Great distress. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of the times. and mm-hmm. Well, actually, what he is talking about is the Great Tribulation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesus goes on to explain in verse 22 that if those days were not cut short, no one would be saved. But those days will be cut short because of the elect. The elect. Who are the elect? We are. We are. Well, amen. <laughs> amen. We're the elect. So God will cut these days short because of us, because of the elect. See? His love again. What do you think he means by that? Cut the day short. Uh, maybe, let's see. I think that he's sparing us. Okay. He is, you know, shortening time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like physical time? I do believe. Maybe yeah. physical time. Yeah. Well, he did it once before. Remember in Joshua? Where yeah. He, he stopped the sun. He stopped right? the sun for at least 12 hours. That's right. He, he can he's, that. he's Lord over time. Yes, he so. is. Yeah. Well, you know, there are two competing theories. One says that it means God will alter the time or the seasons, like, like we talked about just now, um, because he did it in the day of Joshua. The other theory is that this great distress, or the great tribulation, as it's called in, in our faith, in Christendom, will not last in perpetuity. Um, it means it's not going to last a long time, that it will come to an end. Mm-hmm. And some say... This alludes to the three-and-a-half-year period of the Great Tribulation. Uh, this makes a little more sense when you think about three-and-a-half years compared to almost 6,000 years of civilization. You know, the days are shortened. Yeah. Three-and-a-half years, pretty short compared to 6,000 oh, yeah, years. Either way, 
God will shorten the length of this great period of distress because of us, the elect, those who believe in Yeshua, in Jesus. And who knows? Maybe Jesus is talking about the days for the elect will be shortened because he will collect the believers in the rapture. Wow. Maybe it's not talking about time. Yeah, maybe that's referring to the rapture. It could possibly refer that the days for the elect will be short because they will be raptured. They won't experience the rest of it. So, but also, that also means that we will will experience some of it. Could. We don't know. We don't know. Wow. I think we're experiencing it now. Right. Maybe not the great tribulation. Yeah, but some suffering already. We've been experiencing tribulation since... The day of Jesus. I think, Pastor, that's an amazing time for us to, you know, if you don't have uh, your life straight yet in the Lord, I think that's a great time. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, today is the day of salvation. So Jesus returns to, after he makes this comment, he returns to the warning about false messiahs and prophets. And I say he returns to that because we talked about that last episode um, in Matthew 24 in the very beginning, verses 1 through 14, where he warns about being deceived and false messiahs and false prophets. And, you know, we talked about what a false messiah could be. It's anything that exalts itself over God that Mm -hmm. says we have the answers to salvation instead of God being the answer. It's anything. So it doesn't have to be... It it doesn't have to be a person. It could be... Any idea. Any idea, religious system, a scientific... Concept. Breakthrough, anything like that. And so... He's warning us again about false messiahs and prophets arising out of this great distress. So during this great tribulation, there will be false messiahs, people claiming they have the answers. Yeah. Well, we know the Antichrist rises too, right? He's, yes. he's on the scene at this and, point. And I believe that uh, that's a strategy of the enemy because it's a time where people will be looking for answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will be thirsty and like hungry for, for, for answers, for uh, resolution. Mm-hmm. And they become vulnerable. Yeah. Vulnerable, yeah. That's good. And you yeah. know, that's when somebody's going to come and, oh, I am the answer. Oh, I am the answer. So, so many voices at the same time. That's good. But that's the good. Bible says that my sheep mm-hmm. know my voice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Do you know his voice? I, I do. <laughs> yes. I hope you do. Amen. How about you? Do you know his voice? <laughs> if you don't know his voice, how are you going to know who to follow? Mm, that's question. right. So I think also what's interesting here is that Jesus uh, appears to be talking to believers when he says that he's telling us in advance so that we will not be deceived. So he's talking about people that rise up out of the great tribulation. Verse 25 says, take note, I have told you in advance. Who is Jesus telling in advance? I don't think he's telling the disciples because he's looking down the lens of time and he's seeing when it's happening. Mm -hmm. So He's talking to a future generation. Well, yeah, he's talking to the ones that he doesn't want to be deceived. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now, there is a possibility that he's talking to the remaining population that are left behind after the rapture of the church, because there will be people left behind. Yeah. And there will be salvation mm-hmm. after the rapture. Mm-hmm. It could be that he knows, Jesus knows that once the rapture occurs and the great tribulation is at hand, that many will be looking for answers, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that they'll turn to the Bible. And many will turn to the Bible. And finally mm-hmm. find those answers. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be looking for those answers, and they're going to read his words about knowing, not going after false messiahs. That's right. But I have a question, Pastor. Um, 
when Jesus comes back and takes his church up, the grace, the time of grace ends right there, right? Yeah, most scholars say that that's the end of the dispensation of grace. The dispensation of grace. Mm-hmm. No yeah. more grace after that. And those who will be for saved... For non-believers. For non-believers. Mm-hmm. Those who will be saved after the rapture um, are those that the Bible mentioned that they will they get to heaven with their garments, with blood. Some. Some of them, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we look at the possibility of who's Jesus talking to and warning in advance, I tend to be in the camp that he's talking about the ones that are left behind during after the rapture. After the rapture, yeah. That's, that's the camp I'm in. And, and I believe this is precisely what Jesus is doing here. He's talking to those individuals that are looking for answers and that they turn to the Bible because someone, someone that had been raptured told them at some point, mm-hmm. hey, you know what's about to happen, don't you? I'm about to be raptured, and, and you know, at, at some point we're going to be translated and meet Jesus in the clouds. Yeah. And they just looked at him like, you're crazy. You're off your rocker. Yeah. And now they're looking for the answer, and they remember. They say, oh, I remember that weird guy, Stefano, said something about this, and he said he got it out of the Bible. And they're going to start looking for the answer in the Bible. We will be testimonies, right? Yes. Of, yeah. of the Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 27, tells us exactly how the coming of Jesus will look. Jesus says this, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Absolutely Mm. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So how far is it from the east to the west? What do you think he's talking about? Wow. It's... Hmm. I don't know, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's really kind of cryptic. No one knows exactly what he's talking about. But if you think about it, it, it sounds to me like it, it, will, it will happen globally. It'll be a global phenomenon, okay? Yeah. And everyone will experience it. And while they might not know what it is, they'll know something shifted, something changed, because everyone will experience something has changed here. It's going to be visual. Mm-hmm. But it'll be in an instant, like a flash of light. Then in verse 28, Jesus says something that's very, very weird, and it's out of place um, uh, leading up to this. He says, wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. Wow. Such a strange statement to make after that. Wow. After all that, where some translations say where the eagles, uh, where the carcass is, the eagles will gather. And I've read a little bit about this, and I've researched this a little bit, and, and there are some scholars that say that this verse is about the eagles that were inscribed on the standards and on the shields and on the, the poles that the Roman soldiers would carry into war. Uh, and typically, I'll tell you, the ones that believe this are the same ones who say that Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD when he talks about um, you know, about the abomination of desolation. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, I do believe Jesus did talk about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD when he says one stone will not, left, will not be left upon another. But in this, in this reference, he's talking about a future uh, abomination of desolation in the temple. Okay. So maybe that's mentioned about the third temple. Well, that would indicate there would have to be a third temple. The third temple. At this point, for this to take place. 
And so here's kind of what I believe makes the most sense, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Stefano. So we know that the coming of Jesus, he says it will be like a flash of lightning. Very quick. Very quick. Blink of an eye kind of stuff. You can't... uh It'll be global. It will be global. Uh, nobody knows when a, a lightning will happen. That's good, too. Right? Yeah. And two things. It's fast, mm-hmm. and you can hear it, mm-hmm. and there is no, I mean, whatever you are, you will hear it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good comparison that Jesus is doing. I do, He's too. making with his return. Yeah. And so I look at it, there, there are two possibilities. When you look at this from a biblical context, and here they are. Number one. The flash of lightning represents the rapture, Uh, because when we are raptured, we're not told what specifically happens to our fleshly bodies. We just know that it it changes, right? Well, what we're told is that we're immediately caught up or snatched up forcefully. So like it's forceful, snatched Mm -hmm. up. This could mean, and I believe this means, that we are immediately translated into the spiritual realm out of our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. And that our physical dead bodies will be left behind. You yeah. Tracking with me here? Yeah, I'm tracking. <laughs> and so, because you remember in Hebrews 9, verse 27, uh, we're told that man is appointed to die once and yeah. then judgment. And then so judgment. All men are appointed to die once. So, to yes, me, that, yeah, that's right. To me, this means that our physical bodies will remain here on earth. Now, you see all these movies like Left Behind, and you see. Uh, you know, clothing mm-hmm. falling down from the sky because everybody's bodies went. You know, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, if you look at it in the context of what Jesus is sa- what Jesus says about where the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. Do you think that might be a cryptic message that that people really won't understand till after it occurs? They'll see the flash of lightning. They'll know something shifted, something, something changed. changed. They yeah. don't know what, and then all of a sudden they see the vulture circling overhead. Of all the bodies, yeah, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. That's theory. But that's theory number one. I, I, you know that part in the Bible that says that um, those who died, mm-hmm. they will come out of the grave and mm-hmm. meet with the Lord in the air, mm-hmm. yeah. and those who stay, they will have their bodies transformed. So maybe there's another possibility. Could be. It could know? be another possibility. I would encourage you to look that one up. Okay? Yeah, it's in. First, I wish it's in First Thessalonians. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the second theory, number two, the coming of the Son of Man brings judgment, uh, and this judgment includes wiping out the enemies of Israel who are attacking them, causing them to flee to the mountains. Remember, all this, all this is in the context of, of, of Jesus telling them, when you see the abomination of desolation, flee to the mountains. There won't be any time to go back in your house and get anything mm-hmm. to gather anything. You have to flee immediately. And so to me... When the Son of Man comes, judgment comes, it includes wiping out these enemies who are attacking Israel, and they're, they're the ones that are causing them to flee to the mountains. So with the flash of lightning, they're instantly killed. They're dead. I have a question. Mm-hmm. The event of the coming of the Son of the Man is different of the event of the rapture? Yes. It's different, right? Yes. Because the event of the coming of the Son of the Man, he comes and establishes his kingdom here. Yes. Right? He establishes the millennial kingdom. All right. And that's when uh, Israel's enemies are wiped out. That's a, that's another period of time when they're wiped out, yes. All right. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so if you look at it that way, so the Son of Man brings judgment. He wipes out the enemies of Israel. And this really plays well into what you're saying here. 
And so if, if the Israelites have fled to the mountains, what would be a good indicator that they are able to return back to Jerusalem? Peace. Okay, so they don't hear anything. They look out, they look out from the mountaintops. They look out over the plains of Israel, and they see what? Vultures. Mm. Where the carcass is, the vultures will gather. So maybe that's what Jesus is talking about, that when they look out from the mountains that they fled to and they see the vultures, then they look down and they see the dead bodies of the enemies. Uh, and now they know it's yeah. safe to come back. That's possible. Um, either one of these is possible, but I kind of lean more toward that one. It's more logical. It makes more sense yeah. to me, number two. Especially because Jesus always prepares us you know, before mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for us you know, to know what to do. Yeah. And so the next passage in Matthew 24, which is verse 29, it talks about immediately following the days of the Great Tribulation. So we're switching a little bit, you know, we're switching gears a little bit here. And these are the signs that people will see. Uh, Jesus says, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Um, Some say that this is a mixture of what will occur in the physical realm and the spiritual realm. Uh, The sun will be darkened. It could allude to a total eclipse. Uh Uh, But, you know, with the mention of the moon not shedding its light, it's more likely that there's some kind of a covering, a global covering, not permitting light to come through. That makes more sense to me. Maybe from thick clouds. Thick clouds or... um, there's a theory that I've heard mm-hmm. uh, about volcanoes. Yeah. You know, many, many, many of them be, will begin to erupt, and it's going to create such thick, you know, layer, mm-hmm. and that's going to darken the sun. Yeah, it's one of the theories. Yeah, you know? that's a good theory, and I've heard that one too. That's it's a very popular theory. What if for a minute, let's think about the thick cloud, and let's 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 think back to the mountain of Sinai or Sinai, when Moses is at the mountain and. What happens to the top of that mountain? Completely burns. A thick cloud yeah. descends on top of that mountain, and that's God's presence. Yeah. What if this covering, global covering, is the presence of God starting wow. to come in? Oh, yeah. Hmm? That could be. Mm-hmm. Do you know, uh, I, I watched a documentary a few, a few weeks ago, and, and this guy, he goes to Arabia, and they find... A mountain that the top of the mountain is completely burned. Oh yeah, have you have you watched yeah, that one? I have. I've seen that one. Yeah, and, and they say it's the mountain of God. That's yeah, very you fascinating. Know. It's amazing, and it's not where the the early scholars had placed it's not. it because they placed that. <laughs> they thought that it was in Egypt. This one is actually uh, in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. It's amazing because it's the only mountain in that region that the top of the mountain is completely charred. It, yeah, yeah, and they've been up there, and they've said that it's charred on the surface so when you lift up a rock it's still the natural surface underneath. Wow. so it's oh not it's not that's some, amazing <laughs> it's not some kind of a weird algae or no. whatever it's you know, it's actually it's the presence it's the presence yeah. of, of god and it's an that, all-consuming fire right? it is an all-consuming fire it's thick clouds and so yeah it could be a global covering indicating god's presence and jesus says that the stars will fall from the sky you know, physically, this could refer to meteorites or asteroids hitting the earth. Could be. Could be. Because, uh, like you said, his presence is all-consuming, consumes everything around it. 
including what's outside of nothing can stand Mm -hmm. right spiritually it could mean that the angels arrive on the earth because jesus says that the powers of the heavens will be shaken what are the powers of the heavens have you heard that before i've heard it before the power i i haven't heard okay Usually when we talk about powers in the heavens, it's associated with the powers and the principalities that Paul talks about. He talks about that in, in Ephesians chapter ah, 6, okay. verse 12. We, not, we do not struggle with flesh and blood, but we struggle with powers and principalities. Yeah. Um, and this, this points to the angels, uh, and we're not told if they're good or bad angels. We're just told that the stars fall, and stars have always been associated with, with, with angels. angels. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be. The next sign is the sign of the Son of Man, and it will appear in the sky, causing all peoples of the earth to mourn. So all people on the earth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We will not be on the earth in that time, because we will be coming with him. Right. Right? Well, this is one of those indicators that believers will not be in the tribulation. on the earth at this time, okay? Because why would believers mourn over seeing the sign of Christ? We're told to rejoice. Not mourn. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, I mean, seriously. We're told to rejoice when we see these things happening because our redemption draws near. But and it, if we're on the earth, I mean, because it says all peoples of the earth will mourn. Well, that would have to include believers if, if they've not been raptured yet, but a believer wouldn't mourn. So it means that those who will mourn is because they didn't like the return. They didn't believe. They didn't believe, so they are the enemies you yeah. know, of, of the yeah. Lord. Now they know what's about to happen. Yeah. That, oh, my gosh. They will mourn because they, they will know their judgment. Those crazy Christians were right. <laughs> 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 but, you know, this really it causes a little bit of confusion because Jesus then goes on to describe his descent on the earth on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In verse 31, Jesus says, He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. You know, a lot of folks point to this as a post-tribulation rapture of the church. Uh, Because if this is the case, then it says that the rapture would take this, that him gathering his elect is going to take place immediately after the great tribulation. Because he said immediately after these things. Okay? Yeah. I don't know. I think I tend to believe um, that he will spare the church, mm-hmm. you know, and, and well, rapture the yeah. church, like, <laughs> yeah, in, in the midst of the the tribulation. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it could be a possibility. I mean, it really could be a possibility of a post-tribulation rapture, but uh, I want you to, to stick with me here, okay, for a second. Yeah. So what if, and I believe I believe this is what Jesus is saying, but what if... Jesus is describing gathering everyone together from the four winds, meaning from the north, the south, the east, and the west, of the heavens, because that's what he said, Mm -hmm. of the heavens, because Jesus never says anything about gathering his elect from the earth. He says from one end of the sky to the other. Oh, wow. That's a new perspective. So if, if he's gathering his elect from one end of the sky to the other, that means... We're in the sky. We are in the sky. All right? So I tend to believe that what Jesus is saying is that he's gathering his elect together to return to the earth and rule from Jerusalem during the millennial kingdom. Wow. To me, that makes more 
logical sense. It's more logical than saying that well, he's talking about a post-tribulation rapture. Because, like you said, you believe that the church will be saved. Yeah. And you know the Bible says, "Pray that you are worthy to escape all these things." All what things? The great tribulation. All those things. I think that makes more sense. It does uh, to me too. But you, you know, know, if you don't agree, that's okay. We still love you. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're we're just you know we're talking uh, about the fringes of the faith so um, so it is what it is. Now after this, Jesus transitions into this parable about the fig tree, which has always been a symbol of Israel. The mm-hmm. fig tree has always represented Israel. He says in verse thirty two that as soon as its branches, the fig tree, as soon as its branches become tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. It's near. Mm hmm. In the same way, when you see all these things, all what things? All these signs oh, that he's yeah. talking about? Recognize that he, he being Jesus, is near at the door. Most scholars believe, as well as I do, and we'll see what you, what you think, Stefano, that Jesus is prophesying about a time when Israel is sprouting leaves, uh, that the time of his return is growing near, when they start yeah. sprouting leaves. That's what I have to say. I have heard many, um, many theories about... Mm-hmm you know, this, the interpretation of this uh, word of Jesus. But I personally tend to believe that we are living these words right now. You know, Mm -hmm. that Israel was recognized as a country in 1948. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I just feel in my heart that we, we might be living that. So that means that we have maybe six or seven years left. Hmm, that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So you mentioned that Israel was declared a nation or a state in 1940. It's actually on May 14th, overnight. Uh, and that is another fulfillment of prophecy. And can I way. just say something real yeah, quick? Yeah, absolutely. It was a vote of a Brazilian. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It was. Are um, you for real? I'm for real. For real. Yeah. Okay. I think it was even if 47, 47, and they needed one vote. Uh-huh. Uh, and a Brazilian Politic, mm-hmm. you know, politician voted for Israel. So the vote ended up being 48? 48 for the state of Israel and 47 against. Mm, interesting that that happened in 1948 with 48 votes. I don't know. Just interesting, I think. And so if you look at that, if you look at Israel, since it was established as a state in 1948, uh, at the point of its establishment, they, were, they were, would have been considered a tender branch. Very new. The beginning. Very tender, right? right? Not strong. Yeah. Weak, right? Baby branch. (laughs) Right, a baby branch. Um, But now they're a very strong, sovereign country. Absolutely. They've sprouted leaves, meaning that they're producing more branches. Yeah. They Um, are a rich country. They're very rich. They're very productive. Productive. uh, They're very prosperous. And Jesus makes a comparison that when we see this, when we know... When we see that, that the tender branch has become uh, strong and sprouted leaves, it's become prosperous, we can know that summer is near. And summer, get this, summer is typically when most weddings occur. Ooh, prophetic. Isn't that? That is prophetic. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that wow. Jesus alludes to summer, the time of weddings, and to the generation that sees all these things not passing until all these things he describes and the great distress occurs, including the darkening of the sun and the moon. Now, I've seen a ton of videos, as I'm sure you have, Stefano, and, and I've read several books describing which generation Jesus is talking about. 
And, and it's very interesting that it could be uh, one of three generations that are living today. All right. That, right? Yeah. I, don't, I, I, I had knowledge of only one, mm-hmm. but now it's three. Yeah, it could All be right. three. Could be. I'll Let's explain. <laughs> All right. So it could be the generation in 1948 when Israel actually became a state. Right? Okay. That's the one I know. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's when Israel was a tender branch. It wasn't strong yet. Okay. So summer's not near yet. Okay? Okay. It could be the generation of 1967, my generation, when what? Israel captured Jerusalem in the Six-Day War, showing uh, their strength. Okay. Meaning now they're strong. They're sovereign, strong nation. Question. So the generation that Jesus is talking about is the generation when the branches become strong? Mm-hmm. It's not the very beginning of Right. God. So, yeah. You know that summer is near when? When the branch sprouts. It sprouts. Leaves. Yeah. Okay. And it's prosperous. And then it could be the generation of 2017 when President Trump officially recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Could be. That one's the most unlikely one in my yeah. opinion. But it yeah, could I, be. I, I would stay with the first or the second. Mm-hmm. And, and when people ask me what I believe, I used to say, well, it's got to be 1948 or 1967, right? Yeah. It's got to be that generation. Now, when people ask me, I point them to Matthew 24, verse 36. And this is a very important point for us because Jesus says this. He says, quote, Now concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son except the Father alone. Um, so we just don't know, and we're told that there's no way to know because only the Father, Father God, only yeah. He knows, not even the Son knows. And I believe that what Jesus says is not even the Son knows the Son while He was on the earth. Mm-hmm. I believe He knows now. Oh, yeah. That I he believe, is God. yeah, He's God. He's one with the right. Father. All right, so I've heard this. I've heard that while we may not know the day or the hour, we can know the season. I've heard that. Yeah. Okay? I've read many books about the season of return, Okay. A lot of people made a lot of money writing those books, yeah. by the way. I'm just saying. <laughs> and I used to believe this as well. But now I point to what Jesus says in Acts 1, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, specifically verse 7, because Jesus tells us, quote, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. And this is the King James Version, which is the closest version to what was actually said and meant. And here the disciples are asking the resurrected Jesus, because he's resurrected, he's meeting with them now, and he asks them, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Let's see. And Jesus answered them, intentionally telling them, you know what, guys? It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Wow. I think he just wanted you to be prepared. Exactly. You know. This actually goes beyond the day and the hour. Essentially, we're not to be concerning ourselves with trying to figure out the day or the hour Mm -hmm. or the times or even the seasons. We're supposed to continue going about the business of spreading the gospel. I believe so. And and I I think that that's a great opportunity for us to demonstrate love to Jesus and for him to know those who are genuine. Exactly. Because if you knew the hour... I know that there would be people that would live their lives. Oh, yeah. And at the very end, you know, they would turn their hearts to God. It's human nature. I mean, so, it's human nature. If we knew the exact year, we'd be living like devils. Yeah. He's giving us the opportunity to live uh, 
a genuine love for him. And like you said, to, to separate the goats from the sheep, the ones Absolutely. who are true believers yeah. from those who pretend or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because he's the true shepherd and, and his sheep hear his voice and they know his voice. I mean, John 10 talks a lot about the hired hands and, and, and how they go about, you know, deceiving many. And then when trouble comes, they flee, they leave the flock. We see that happening almost all the time now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. But here's, here's the thing. I, Jesus knows we're not blind, and he knows that we'll be able to see when things are getting really bad, right? Yeah. Um, so he provides us with comfort, uh, knowing that if he didn't provide us with a level of comfort, then we'd be full of anxiety and distress, and we, who knows what we would do. So he tells us what things will look like just before his return. And because we're not blind... And because we see all of these things happening around us, Jesus tells us not to be alarmed. We talked about that last week in his message. Do not be alarmed because these things must take place before the end, meaning before the purpose is revealed. So we we studied the end, the word telos last week, Mm -hmm. and it's a purpose. It's not the end of physical time or the end of the world. It's when the purpose is revealed. Got it. Okay. And he also says in Luke 21, verse 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, all these things that he's just talking about, because Luke 21 is is a mirror version of Matthew 24, but Luke 21 includes this from Jesus. He says, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Yes. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So here's the question. Do you know Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? Are you sure that when all these things that Jesus has talked about begin to come to pass or come to pass, because I believe they're already beginning to come to pass, will you be joined together with him in eternal life? I mean, we call it heaven. It's not really what it is. It's more of a paradise. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's eternal life. Do you know that that's where you'll be when all these things take place? Because if not... I'm going to ask you right now to just pray this prayer with us. Are you ready? Just close your eyes and and just repeat in your spirit, in your heart, or even out loud, no matter where you're at. Just say, Lord, I recognize that I've been doing this all wrong. I recognize now that I need a Savior and that you are who you said you are and that I am who you said I am. You're the Son of God, and I'm a sinner in need of redemption. So now I confess, Lord, that I've sinned against you, I've sinned against others, and I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for you to come into my heart and to change me from the inside out. I ask you to begin revealing to me your character and your nature and how much you love and you care for me. I ask you, Jesus, to walk with me for the remainder of my life, and I commit to you that I will walk with you, learning your ways and doing the very best I can to live a life worthy of your sacrifice. I won't be perfect, but I'll do my best. Now, if you prayed this, just know that God heard you and that right now he's writing your name into the book of life, that your sins are forgiven and you have been freed from the bondage of both sin and guilt. Yeah. Isn't that a miracle? Amen. That's a miracle. Miracle. Um, man, we'd love to know. We'd love to hear from you in the comment section below. Um, if this is you, 
uh, visit our website, www.capstone.church, and there's a place uh, in the right corner that says Next Steps. Click on that, and, and you'll, you'll begin to see and learn a little bit more about this faith that you have now joined. And, you know, if that is you, welcome to the family. Amen. Um, we're so glad and we're excited for you to begin this journey. Well, Stefano, thank you so much. I just love your, your insight. Uh, I love the things that you bring. It's from a new perspective and a different perspective. And, it, man, it just it makes me excited. Well, it's, it's a privilege. I love to be here. And if he comes back tonight, I see you in eternity. That's right. right. <laughs> hey, you know what? What do they say? I'll, I'll either see you here or there, right? Yeah. <laughs> here or there or somewhere in the air. Only him can afford yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and... You know, if, if you can't tell what, what's on Stefano's shirt, why don't oh, you show yeah. everybody? Yeah, let me, let me show you guys. Yeah. This. Yeshua. Mm. And Yeshua means? Yeshua means salvation. Salvation. Yeah. God gives salvation. Delivers salvation. Yeah. Awesome. I want this Yeshua I in my too. life. Not only in my shirt, but here yeah. in my heart. Not only on the outside. On the outside. But also in the yeah. inside. Because he's the only one that can change you from the inside out. Amen. Self-help books can't change you. Um, you know, psychologists can't change you. Psychi psychiatrists can't change you. They can help you identify some of the things that, that are occurring in your brain, but ultimately they can't change your heart. Only Yeshua, Jesus Yeshua. can do that. Yeah. Mm. He is the answer. He is the answer. Well, that's all for this episode of Fringes of the Faith. Remember, if you like this, uh, press the like button. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe so that you'll catch all the new episodes that are coming out. And always remember, you know, remember this. Stay in the Word. Stay in God's Word. Read His Word daily. Meditate on His Word. You'll be amazed at some of the things that He will reveal to you about His character and about His nature and about truly how much He loves us. Um, stay alert. You know, this whole podcast, this last two episodes, have been talking about the signs of the coming of Jesus. And how are we going to know those signs if we're asleep? Mm -hmm. And so now's the time to wake up. Now's the time to be alert. Be ready. Keep looking up. Keep scanning the skies. For Jesus says, when you see all these things start to take place, look up because your redemption draw near, draws near. And, and you know, lastly, do not be deceived. There's so much deception going on out there right now. And, you know, we just... Uh, we just want to be able to speak truth and life into you. And so we just thank you for tuning in. We thank you for watching and listening. And anything else you want to say, Stefano? Well, I can't wait for the next one. The next one? Yeah. We don't even know what the next one's going to be yet. We're, we're he, taking, knows. he knows. He does know. <laughs> we're taking this moment by moment. Live in the moment. Enjoy the moment. And, and you know, just live in worship yeah. of the Lord and worship in spirit and truth. My desire, my desire is that you make Jesus uh, the Lord of your life. Amen. Uh, in Hebrew, they say, Yeshua Melech HaMelechim. Mm, you nice. know, Jesus, the King of Kings. Yes. And my desire is that He becomes the, your King today. Yes. Amen. 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 Well, God bless y'all. We love y'all. And we will see you next time here on Fringes of the Faith. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.